The American Petroleum Institute, driving safety, environmental protection, and sustainability across the natural gas and oil industry through world-class standards and safety programs. Since its formation as a standard-setting organization in 1919, API has developed more than 800 standards to enhance industry operations worldwide. Find out more at api.org. Now more than ever, the industry that fuels the world needs the right people to modernize and unify a global energy platform. The transformation is both digital and cultural. Join us as we explore strategies for success in the hyper-competitive war for talent here on the Energy Workforce of Tomorrow podcast, hosted by the IBM North American Oil and Gas Team. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Energy Workforce of Tomorrow with the OGGN. This is Brian Woodward. A regular host here running solo here on site in Houston at the Houston Community College. We'll explain a little bit about what we're doing here today, but it's really, I think, incredible experience and as well a very relevant uh, topic around energy workforce of tomorrow. Personally, I have a great connection back to uh, University of Houston, or sorry, to HCC and University of Houston. I started my college career at HCC, and that's how I kind of got my foundation and got started. I think I was in the second floor of some random high school in West Houston doing classes, but that's not the facility today of HCC. We're at actually at the Manufacturing Center of Excellence, an unbelievable hands-on facility to train folks. We're going to spend a few minutes today talking to our panelists who were here at the event today, talking to students, learning more about manufacturing opportunities and jobs. And they did a great panel earlier today. And so I'm going to let them do some quick intros and talk about sort of their view of the manufacturing industry and some obviously related sort of uh, directly to energy and some more adjacent to the energy industry. But I'm super thankful to be here and super excited. And let's go ahead and roll with intros and jump into it if you guys are okay. Sure. Hi, my name is Benno. I'm Vice President of Operations with Woven Metal Products. My responsibility is basically day-to-day operations from allocating resources, material, and protecting the bottom line, which is the most important thing in any business. Overall, I got about 20 years of management experience in manufacturing, and I can say I'm more excited than any time that we're facing now, because with this onshoring going on in the U.S., with the new products coming, new advanced technologies that we're seeing every day, it's a very interesting time to be a part of. Awesome. Thanks, man. I appreciate being here. All right. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Dr. Monica Cortez. I am the Director of Business Operations. I cover the state of Texas. We are the NIST MEP that supports the entire state with eight regional locations. And I am excited to be here today. Our role as the NIST MEP dedicated center for the state is to make sure that manufacturers are supported, they're profitable, and that they increase their capacity and we make jobs available for the state of Texas so that we have a bigger economic impact. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for being here. Hi, my name is Amanda and I work for Aredia. We're a startup inside of NOV and we leverage machine learning and artificial intelligence to augment factory floors. And one of the reasons that I'm here today is in the capacity of workforce development, but we had an ongoing partnership with HCC and we're currently in the process of releasing an apprenticeship 
internship pipeline. So this facility has been kind of a flagship for us, and we're really excited to be here and to learn more about ways that we can help the energy workforce. Awesome. Hi, my name is Amber Gibson. I work for Westlake. We are a building material manufacturing company. So we build all of the exterior products that are needed to build a home. So roofing, windows, doors, pipe and fittings. And I'm the senior regional recruiter and I cover all of Texas, Arizona, Nevada, and Colorado. I'm building a house now, Amber. We may need to talk after this, okay? (laughs) Okay. I'm Kirby Cunod. I'm the business journey manager for Variables Houston office. We have an on-demand labor platform, which businesses are using as an operational tool to scale their workforce to achieve top and bottom line growth. We have over 6,000 business users and over a million downloads from independent contractors throughout the U.S. Wow, that's great, Kirby. What a cross-section of guests that we have here today. And as I mentioned earlier, maybe to set a little context, I think there was about 250 high school students here today doing a site visit to really explore the possibilities of taking themselves into a manufacturing-oriented career. And they got to, I think, do a couple of things. One, there's quite a few partners here who are showcasing their technology, as well as they got to walk around the facility and visit with some of the instructors and some of the labs. And as part of that, they got to speak to the team I have today in front of you about what the manufacturing industry looks like. What are the opportunities? What are the challenges? What is the guidance and the advice to individuals coming up into that? So let's just kind of start the conversation there, if you don't mind. Let's talk a little bit about, from your lens, how do you see the manufacturing industry today? And what are the challenges and opportunities for individuals going into this space? Well, for the starters, I have to say that manufacturing has been disregarded for decades. With new industries coming like tech, marketing, sales, which were easier jobs and more rewarding jobs. And also, I have to add that manufacturing offshoring, outsourcing, globalization, all that led to the fact that we had our new generations increasing their distance from manufacturing. And there's always been this misconception of hey, manufacturing jobs are tough, they're not paying well, let's just stay away from it. But now we're seeing a change in that trend. Now we got onshoring going on. We want to make sure everything is built in America again. We have the IP products. We want to make sure that no other country can have access to some of our IPs, and then we have to make sure they're built here. Now also with recent layoffs in tech industry, we're seeing a big pull of talent that's out of job market, and they're looking for new opportunities, but they don't have the skill set to be absorbed into manufacturing. On top of that, on senior level management, we've had this big gap for finding the right candidate that were on the right career path to replace them for years. And now it's becoming a big problem to find a proper candidate to, let's say, replace a VP or a COO or a CEO. So I think there's a great opportunity. It is a challenge. It is a weakness for us as a country, but also from weakness comes a great opportunity. I believe that we're moving towards the right direction. It's just how we can make manufacturing more interesting for our labor force. So, Bano, that's a very good point. So what we're seeing statewide is a very large workforce gap. So we have manufacturers, over 20,000 manufacturers in the state alone. And what we're hearing from them each and every day is that they need employees. They need workforce. They need workforce yesterday. So the challenge for our community colleges, for our tech schools, for our universities 
And just everyone involved with apprenticeship programs is truly getting our young generation to work, to get them involved, to let them see the opportunities. So we have a huge challenge in front of us. I do want to say that I would like to see more women in the field. I know that the way that manufacturing has been marketed previously is with gears, and it's very dirty, and it's not a good environment. However, manufacturing spreads a variety of industries, pharmaceuticals, working in clean rooms, semiconductor industry, not dirty. There's a new wave, there's a new opportunity here to market manufacturing in a way that is very received very well by the younger generation. And it is our job as educators, it's our job as manufacturers, it's our job as just parents, everyone, to start shedding a new light on what manufacturing is and the livable wage that it provides in the United States. Yeah, there's so many great jobs, and we hear this in almost every single podcast and everybody that we interview. There are more opportunities than there are people to fill them right now. And I think you're right, exposure's a big piece of it, but just knowing that there, there's a big one. I would argue that there isn't a workforce gap, but a productivity gap. We have over a million users on the variable platform. They're just not all able to work a typical Monday through Friday schedule. Some are single parents, some are veterans, some are students. Not everybody can work a typical 40-hour-a-week schedule, but plenty of people can work a four-hour shift. Plenty of people already have a full-time job, could use some weekend work or an overnight shift. Everybody needs to put food on the table. I think we just need to start looking in all the places that productivity is available. That's interesting. Kerber, are you seeing companies start to adapt and be flexible to flexible work schedules? I mean, obviously, a lot of manufacturing facilities run 24-7 already. Maybe you probably know a lot more than I do about it, but I think that what been traditionally either a two-shift or a three-shift model, but are you starting to see six-hour shifts to fill the gap or alternate? Tell me. Absolutely. Every single business is going to have a different need, but if they are truly looking to grow, then they're going to be looking to delight their customers and level the playing field. So whether that's by using automation or augmented workforce or taking advantage of the flexible capacity that is available throughout our metro areas in the U.S., it's simply about being creative. Just to add something there. I totally see where you're coming from and where there's an opportunity for productivity. However, some of these manufacturing jobs require certain training. Now, for general labor, let's say loading, unloading pallets, that's a great example. Okay, I need somebody for the weekend, but I don't want to engage the full shift or I'm short 20 hours, right? Let's bring a couple of guys to get it done. But let's look at it in more skilled labor. Let's say a welder. A welder must pass a welding test within a company and have the valid certification, which requires testing, lab results, and all that. So finding a welder immediately to bring him on board and have him work over a weekend just for four hours, it's almost impossible, which goes back to the fact that how much time and resources do we have to train that specific labor force to facilitate that specific task. For us to fill the gap for basic work, I love your idea. However, I still believe that, let's say, for a CNC operator, for a late machinist, for a draftsman, for a welder, fabricator, we need a little bit different approach. Certainly. I totally understand that. And what I would challenge you with is how you leverage those skilled operators within your workforce. Okay. 
there are certain ways. It's the seasonal demand forecast. Definitely we're seeing there is a ramp up in production. So we give ourselves enough time to get prepared for it. Now, sometimes that rush order comes that when you don't have the luxury of time in your favor to get prepared for it. But there are mitigation plans. One is outsourcing the work through an audited supplier, which you're creating employment for them and using their resource cap or also using temp agencies. So what we're doing throughout the year is working with temp agencies that we know we can rely on. We certify their welders within our facility, but we don't employ them immediately. They're acting as our reserve capacity. So when that work comes and we're over allocated, we know we're running 24 seven, but we can still facilitate the demand. That's where we're deciding, okay, it's efficient for us or it's beneficial for us to go sub it out or just bring a couple of temp welders. I think those are the two ways that we've been using for years and they've been the solution to our problem. So great discussion. I wanted to ask maybe a little bit broader questions. I think you mentioned productivity. You mentioned obviously trying to optimize for surge capacity. I think there's maybe a little bit of a misnomer out there, and I think you guys talked about it in the panel, that technology is taking away manufacturing jobs. And maybe there's a fear factor of coming into this industry by young people that they're going to be replaced by automation or replaced by robots. So why take a career step in that direction if I've got obsolescence in three or five years? Let's talk about that a little bit, because I thought it was a really interesting discussion in the panel about how you guys see from your lens the role that technology and automation plays in the manufacturing space. So I think I can probably jump in on this with already it does. We're using all of the state of our technology to automate. We're analyzing machine data and we're looking at machine learning and looking at big data on a daily basis. And for me and my background, I had really no experience with manufacturing processes before I took this transition to this career. And every day I now look at reporting from facilities that run our software and I can make a high level overview that can save people on the shop floor and executives lots and lots of time to understand where if a machine is down or if there's a need for an additional programmer, additional crane operator, ways for the factory to be more effective and more well managed with its time and its resources. And those positions that we're talking about, they actually might be positions that need to be filled. We're using all of this data to actually create more jobs. I've learned how to analyze this data. It created a job for me. If anything, it's just adapting. Like Benno, you said over and over again, it's an adaptation. It's just another level of learning and opportunity for us to grow. And there are more jobs that are going to come from this. I'm sure of it. Yeah, and I think you mentioned something really interesting in the panel as well. And I think this is such a typical corporate reaction often is when you have profitability challenges, you go after labor versus really using the technology to help with the optimization and then productivity. And like you said, maybe it's a new way of learning some of these traditional skill sets. But when touring the facility here today, that's what's so cool about the partnership that Aridia has and other players here is actually embedding the tech in the education process. So you're not just learning the hard skill and then having to pick up the tech after and, you know, moving that further up into the learning cycle, if you will, will make these individuals more equipped, right? Absolutely. And as we automate, I mean, the robot is not really replacing 
the worker. You're going to need workers to program them. You're going to need workers to make sure that you maintain them. So you're going to need maintenance tech. There is a world of jobs around also the automation. Cybersecurity is another one, making sure that they are cyber secure. So automation is a good thing. We want our manufacturers to increase their profitability, to maximize their capacity. We want that. We need that in the United States. As we reshore, and we near shore, we're going to need our manufacturers to produce more. And in order to do that, automation is the route we need to take. But Amber, you can probably speak a little bit about what you look for in some of the new hires that need these skills that we're talking about. Right. So for me, I would say a lot of times, I was saying this earlier, we're still kind of old school. We have a lot of our manufacturing plants, it's still manual. And then the ones that have brought in automation, again, we still need maintenance techs to fix those machines. And we also need an electrician that understands how to program and work the automation machine. So I just would like to shed a positive light on automation because I think sometimes we hear automation and we automatically think that that means just we're not going to have a job anymore. The robots are replacing us. But that's not true. It's just like we have to adapt to the situation and that's just going to broaden our horizon. We have to learn and just learn to adapt, basically. I would agree. I think Mm -hmm. most manufacturing comes from medium to small businesses. Not every SMB can afford automation. Sometimes it's going to take an actual labor force to put these products out. I just finished a book and it was talking about a sort of modern factory scenario. You guys know what I'm talking about, but they actually wind up pulling the robots out of the factory, even replacing them with human labor. And then robots are still in the factory, but there's a place for that in some of the line. And then there's a place for human in the line. And it's going to always be a blend. And I think as somebody, I think it was you, Beno, mentioned it, that this has been evolving not for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 100 years. This has been evolving for maybe a thousand years. And we're always going to adapt and be able to respond to the next latest thing. But even in the age of technology, and everybody knows that listens to the podcast that all the hosts are from IBM, and we're a very technology-centric organization. But in every podcast that we've done, technology is assisting and helping with some of the challenges we have around meeting the demand or being optimizing. But we're not replacing the jobs. We still need the individuals. And technology is becoming more affordable and more scalable. Like I know part of one of our goals with Aredia is to ensure that when this product is available for public and external clients, we want it to be affordable. We wanted to go to the small to mid-sized machine shops. That was originally when I was brought on for my role. That was the role I was brought on for, scaling to small to mid-sized machine shops. It's very important to us to continue to ensure the reshoring initiative and keep jobs here and make manufacturing the amazing industry that it is. Absolutely. So when you guys had the students in the room, I think a few of them were asking what advice you have for young people coming up in the industry that want to get into this space and maybe share a little bit about what you look for. Because I hope we have some young up-and-comers listening to our podcast and we want to give them the pointers and the tips to point themselves in this direction. That's a very good question. So just looking back in what kind of qualities I looked into myself to add to my characteristics to be where I am today, I can see that motivation is good to get you started, but you need discipline to keep you going. Discipline is what gets you out of the bed, what makes sure you're on time wherever you go, you keep showing up and you keep learning. Hard work is definitely essential, but are these enough to get where you want to be or do you need an extra edge? I think if you just want to get started into an industry, these are 
necessary. But if you want to go that extra step, you must work on something that differentiates you from others. It can be communication skills. It can be being able to sell yourself. But you're going to have to have that extra edge to go the extra mile. I always like to tell students, recent graduates, to focus on that resume. I mean, that's the very first thing that hiring managers and recruiters and human resources representatives are going to see. So your resume has to tell a story. To back up before you even start to build your resume for students, just do research online to figure out what you're passionate about, what you're interested in, look up the different jobs that are available, and look at the job description and see, okay, hey, is this something that I think I would be interested in? And you just go from there. Yeah, it's amazing when you tour the facility today and the setup here, it really is a great environment to explore what you're interested in and to find what your passion is. But I think it's great advice to probably all of us have similar backgrounds in the sense that we probably came back early in our career for some kind of technical skill or specific skill that we came out of school for or that we trained for. I was a programmer when I got out of college. That's how I got in the technology space. But that gets you in the door, but it's the attitude, it's the desire, and it's loving what you do and having that passion every single day and being eager to learn and open-minded. That's what kind of creates the adventure for you, I guess, in the career. And I think you guys really gave, I think, the students today a really good sense of that. Because, I mean, you could come through this facility and say, look, I'm going to learn to be a welder and it's going to be welder and that's going to be if that's what you love and there's nothing wrong with that at all it's an incredible career and incredible skill but if you want to lead a team of welders right or if you want to get into design or fabrication or whatever you you have to continually push and dream right absolutely and heavy manufacturing day be a national day is very critical and very important. The message that Houston Community College put out today is phenomenal. Over 250 students came through this center, and it was so incredible. But one of the things I think that they took away today is that manufacturing is attainable. It is attainable. Facilities like this, with all of the hands-on opportunity to learn, with all of the educators here wanting to show them from step one all the way to step two, it was incredible. So seeing this many young minds come through here. So what I would say to your listeners is take advantage of your local community colleges. Take advantage of opportunities that are laid out before you. Identify mentors. Identify someone that you look up to, that you want to talk to, and ask, what do you do? How do you do it? If you're someone that likes to take things apart and want to know how they work and want to design something better, then you need to consider a career in manufacturing and you need to take advantage of your first Friday of October. That is the National Manufacturing Day, but it has gotten so big that I alone have attended six manufacturing days throughout the state of Texas. And it is turning into more than just one day. It I'm going to need invitations to those. It is yeah. turning into manufacturing month. And this is a wave that is exciting, I think. And I think to your listeners is definitely take an opportunity to explore in October. Well, not to toot our own horn in Texas, but I definitely think we've done an incredible job of 
bringing manufacturing back to the state. So thank you, Dr. Monica, and thank you for our leaders in Texas for doing that. And obviously, you know, in the energy industry, which we're all so closely linked to as well, I think we've always provided a great foundation for people to have long 25, 30-year careers in this space, and it's just getting better. I mean, in some ways, I think we're just getting started, right, with what's happening in Texas. And not to uh, pounce on California a little bit, let them keep coming here, right? We want these heavy industrial jobs, and these are great paying jobs, and we want to make sure the young people in Texas have exposure and have the avenue to do it. And these facilities, like you said, and these manufacturing days, they're the key. And I hope that the young students in Texas really jump on this. I think the community centers are also, the community colleges are a community center, right? This is a hub for students and businesses to come together to speak directly to the titans of industry. If you haven't seen this space as an opportunity, I would just ask you to take some time and come by this campus in particular and look at the amazing things that are happening here. That's great advice. Um, we should have all the big companies uh, that do manufacturing or heavy industrial we may queued up outside the door to see this place. Well, they can come by here whenever they want. I'm happy to do a tour anytime. Awesome. Awesome. Well, guys, I know you have uh, had a super long day doing the panel, but a very enjoyable day and a very inspiring day. Absolutely right. But I don't want to keep you too long from the weekend fun. I do maybe just want to close with any sort of parting comments or parting advice to anybody out there thinking about manufacturing who to reach out to, who to get started. We'll certainly, and by the way, if you guys are okay with us, I'll have your contact information in the call notes. But just maybe a couple of closing comments before we wrap. I would say to any of the listeners or some of the Houston student body that we were able to influence today, if you're interested in the manufacturing space or industrial space at all, the factors are completely within your control. Show up on time, work hard, have a good attitude, and be coachable and you can thrive in this industry. I was going to say the same thing, Kirby. Be coachable. Make sure that you're attending events and asking questions. If you don't have a mentor, seek out a mentor. There's lots of amazing opportunities to make connections with people in the industry uh, here in Houston in particular. I love OGGN. I listen to all of the OGGN podcasts. I get a lot of information from podcasting. I would definitely suggest that too. Both very great points. What I would add is manage your expectations, set yourself mentally for success, set up yourself mentally for success, because it's not going to be easy. It's going to be a challenging career path, but it's very rewarding. Don't lose sight when you're having a rough week, rough day. Any business, any industry is experiencing the same thing. Just keep your eyes on where you want to be. Keep your focus, stay disciplined, and the sky's the limit. So what I would say is, and I know many panelists have said it throughout the day, is be adaptable. Your career is not linear. You may not wake up tomorrow morning and say, I want to be a manufacturer. I want to get into the manufacturing field. It may not be that way. But if you are a lifetime learner, if you're someone that enjoys designing and being a part of something big, I was with a wonderful executive from Toyota, and she said every time she sees a Toyota on the road, she gets a sense of pride that just fills her completely, knowing that she was a part of that achievement. So what I would say to all of you is if you want to be a part of something big, you need to consider manufacturing and look around. All of us are here to help you and support you. You're not traveling this road alone, so please feel free to reach out. 
Yeah, I would like to piggyback off of what Dr. Monica had said. There are several manufacturing jobs out there. So if you're interested in getting into the industry, I would just say get online and Google and I promise you will find the opportunity that you're looking for. There's a lot of great companies out there. Oh, one last thing. If your company hasn't considered internships or apprenticeships, why? It's developed. The ecosystem is in place. Do some research. If you want more information or help with that, I'm sure everyone on in this panel today can share more information. I know I can. And we have actively already hired four interns through our relationship with HCC. So... Well, that's awesome. And yeah, absolutely. I talked to Dr. to Dean Urbina about that outside. I mean, just pick up the phone and call HCC. If you're a company and you need to get connected with a great pipeline of skilled resources, or if you're a potential student out there and you want to know more, pick up the phone, call HCC and come out and visit this facility. Because I mean, I was blown away. It's absolutely incredible. And obviously, very well supported by really quality organizations in the community. Having said that, the state of Texas involvement, thank you guys for spending a few minutes with me today. And I think more importantly, thanks for being here at this facility and sharing the opportunities with prospective students. With that, we'll wrap this episode. Hope everybody enjoyed it. If you have any questions, any suggestions, we're always open for feedback. But more importantly, let's get involved in manufacturing. Happy Manufacturing Month. Happy Manufacturing (laughs) Month. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Get her done. Join us again next week on the Energy Workforce of Tomorrow podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com.